Hello and welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast. In today's episode, we are discussing the latest direct-to-consumer media attribution and awareness report from Westwood One and LeadsRx. Westwood One offers iconic, nationally syndicated sports, news, and entertainment content to over 250 million monthly listeners. LeadsRx is a multi-touch attribution software for brands and enterprises which optimizes marketing campaigns for return on ad spend. Our guest today is Pierre Bouvard, Chief Insights Officer from Westwood One and the architect behind this study. Pierre, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I want to just start out and give people a little bit of context, maybe into your background and your career. You've had positions in sales and marketing research, strategy, ops, sort of everything in between. So how has that experience all come together to lead you to this report and its findings? Yeah, so I have always been in my career in and around um, advertising sales research. I was at Arbitron, which is the predecessor company to Nielsen Audio. I worked at a set-top box company, TiVo Research and Analytics. Um, and was always fascinated on measuring the impact of advertising. And uh, so my whole career, I've been sitting with both sellers of advertising and buyers of advertising. And what's exciting about what LeadsRx is doing, it's you're bringing kind of measurement of impact to offline media like TV and radio. And right. uh, that was the real foundation of this study. Uh, it started about three or four years ago when AJ, who's the founder and CEO of um, LeadsRx, just made an offhanded comment to me. And he said, boy, you know, direct-to-consumer brands, radio like lights it up for them. It blows the doors out. And then he just right. went on to another topic. And I was like, whoa, Kimosabi. What, what, say that again. And he said, oh, right. yeah. You know. And I was like, well, we have to do an industry study on this and, and really publish this. So that's what led to last year's Leeds RX Westwood One DTC study. And we're excited to have uh, the second study uh, publish uh, this year. Maybe a few years back or 10 or 15 years back, it was almost a spray and pray uh, methodology in the broadcast mediums. And I think tools, uh, some of the digital tools and the overlap is uh, some of that technology uh, makes its way into the broadcast environment. Tools like attribution can really help to show that uh, a particular radio spot or creative uh, or performance is really what's driving um, that engagement. And I think for too long, digital channels and, and the digital medium, simply because they're easy to measure, have been taking too much credit away from radio and TV, which has really been in the background, raising awareness and, and driving traffic. Is that sort of what this study is is highlighting? Absolutely. Um, so last year, it, we found that um, the combination of TV and radio, which I'll call broadcast, had double the impact of Google and Facebook. Uh, it was actually a little bit more than that, maybe 3x. Um, and this year, we found that the combination of TV and radio drove seven times the site and search traffic lift of Google and Facebook. Um, 
So that's a pretty seismic shift, but I think it's a follow the money seismic shift because I think the direct to consumer space is evolving. You know, it started life out as just Facebook and Instagram, and now it realizes in the second act, it needs to appeal to the masses. It needs to, they got to grow their brand. They have to be known before they're needed. And so they're shifting budgets to mass reach, brand building media, like TV and radio. And, and the results are, are following that, that shift. I like that, the known before needed. And I, I think even at LeadsRx, we, we often talk about uh, how broadcast is really strong at being a awareness raising medium. So how do you view uh, that distinction between awareness ads and say a direct response ad? I see in the study that it's recommended that brands should allocate up to 74% of their marketing budget on brand building, which was a surprise to me. So walk us through that finding because that's pretty eye-opening if if the recommendation here and the data here is suggesting that such a big portion of the budget is to be spent on that top-of-funnel uh, brand awareness campaigns, typically from TV and radio. Yep. So the source of that uh, recommendation is from the two godfathers of marketing effectiveness, Les Bennett and Peter Field. And they are some of the world's leading authorities on marketing effectiveness. And they have, through their work with the IPA in the UK, studied thousands of global uh, marketing and advertising campaigns. And through this work, they have built a series of very specific recommendations around how much brand building and how much sales activation should be conducted. So to first let's define this. Brand building is making people feel something about your brand, an emotional feeling, a set of beliefs and attitudes about your company. And generally it takes more than six months to measure brand building because this is to, to the catchphrase, you have to be known before you're needed. The job of advertising is to remind you of the brands you know when you happen to have a need. Sales activation is about a short-term response. Uh, typically campaigns less than six months where you need somebody to buy something. And what DTC brands have realized is when you plow all of your resource into sales activation, um, it's very expensive and it's hard to make a profit. And what they found is that the more brand building that you do, the easier the lower funnel becomes. Um, right. people, will more, people are more likely on a strong brand to type in the name of the company in the search bar and not actually search on it, to like, like type in the name of the company. Um, and in fact, every step of the way, whatever performance KPI you can think of, the stronger the brand, the more efficient and the more effective the sales activation and the lower funnel um, KPIs become. Although you, it's hard to keep sort of your eye on the ball because most people are chasing e-commerce conversions or something that is sort of instant gratification when you when you run your ad campaigns. But what this study is is showing is you can get that instant gratification. You can get a direct response going, and maybe that's a a, a 
uh, discount on Instagram, let's say, that drives somebody to take an action. But what you're saying is those clicks, those conversions are going to come a lot easier and a lot more efficiently if you've invested in the brand building side ahead of time. Is that what I'm gathering? Yep. Yep. And in fact, um, I'll, I'll call everyone's attention to an article that just published recently um, from a guy named uh, Aiden Mark. And Aiden, uh, based out of the UK, is the group planning director and head of effectiveness for uh, VCCP, which is a real award-winning uh, agency out of London. And the name of his piece, which you can Google, is, Is Your Performance Media Really Driving All That Performance? And he laid out in this piece uh, 10 performance uh, KPIs that are positively influenced by brand building, um, whether it's uh, you know product search uplift, whether it's direct direct site traffic, click through rate uplift, you know Google quality score improvements, SEO visibility, uh, conversion rate to sale, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things he points out, brand building basically accelerates and brand building enhances. But how, what's maybe that threshold to where uh, if you have a decent budget that you can step up and, and take on radio and take on TV and not just hang out with, you know, promoted posts on Instagram? Where Where is that cutoff in your mind if there is one? Yeah. So um, WARC, which is the World uh, Advertising Research Council on Con Lions, you know, the vaunted uh, creative uh, conference and organization. They just published um, a big study about two weeks ago based on 5,000 brands, and it's called uh, the Effectiveness Code. And what they found is there's kind of three levers that uh, you can pull regardless of how big or how small you are. Um, the first one is spend. Obviously, the more spend you have, sure. the better. But the other two don't have anything to do with the size of your media budget. One of them is the number of media platforms um, that you execute. And what they found is um, no matter, and the, let me just tell you, the third one is the consistency and your commitment to the creative, meaning if you have a, a creative theme the longer you stick to that creative theme, the better. And what okay. they found is even for small advertisers, as you diversify your media mix and you stay consistent and true to that creative message, you will actually be more effective um, than if you just are just on Instagram and you just keep changing your creative. Pretty powerful insight for, I think, some of the the smaller brands. And I think even in the current economic climate, and we're not sure where everything's headed, there's going to be a lot more smaller brands, a lot more people, in my opinion, are going to take that leap and say, you know, I'm going to be working from home, or I'm going to start that project or that dream. And advertising is a big part of it, you have to be able to get the eyeballs. And if you do it wrong, it's all a waste. But if you get it right, you can really build a, a profitable enterprise. And I think that's what uh, attribution and, and measuring your media uh, properly is all about. And it's, in my opinion, very helpful to pull these insights out of a study like this 
and showcase how even those small to medium-sized companies can uh, get value out of this stuff as well. One of the other major points is the quality of the creative has an outsized impact on effectiveness. So tell us more about that. I want—I just wanted to, 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 not to cut you off, but what is, how do you determine quality? It's a subjective thing. Is that really professional photos or well-written copy? Is it all of the above? Talk us through that. Sure. So there's two um, kind of buckets of creative that Bennett and Field, you know, have identified. One of them is rational creative versus emotional creative. Rational creative is facts and figures, you know, discounts and, you know, we save 30% and, you know, our suitcases are 25% more rugged. And and it's, it's a lot of stuff that goes in one ear and out the other. Sure. Emotion-based creative, as the name implies, makes you feel something. It, 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 it makes you feel an emotion. It tells a story. And across every single measure of effectiveness, sales, profit, you know, brand equity, emotion-based creative knocks it out of the park. And so just that simple switch from I'm going to load up my ad with a bunch of rational copy points that no one will ever remember versus telling a story about the brand and having people feel something about your brand um, is very powerful. And, you know, there, Maya Angelou had that famous quote, which was, you know, people will long forget what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. That's often a challenge that most advertisers face is they're so close to their product or their service or their business. And they want to articulate those, those features and uh, what the widget can do. But people don't, don't buy widgets based on what they do. They buy those widgets based on solving a problem or making them feel a certain way about themselves or making their life better. And it's also about um, making your money go further. That the 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 same money spent on an emotion-based brand building campaign versus a facts and figures easily forgotten, easily uh, you know that, that that's your your money lasts much longer with a campaign that makes people feel something. Right, and it's a lasting feeling. They they remember that ad. You know, people still talk about that old Apple ad that really set the stage for for their growth, um, and it it plays into your emotion. Uh, so you're absolutely right there. So maybe just pivoting a little bit here. We're obviously on a podcast now. Podcast is like the new radio. OTT is like the new cable. Walk us through those monumental. Uh, changes in the industry and where you think the future is headed for broadcast as a whole, inclusive of those two new mediums? Well, the the fastest growing division at our radio network, Westwood One, is our podcast division. Um, And it it was started four or five years ago by Kelly Hurley, a seller um, out of the West Coast who really saw the excitement among advertisers in in podcasting and can 
convince the company that we should um you know really focus on it and it's been a huge huge success as we're one of the you know top 10 or top 5 um podcast platforms um you know the median age of the average podcast listener is 33 you know the median age of america is in the low 40s um and podcasting is growing like a weed um what sets podcasting apart is the value to the consumer. So when you find that interesting podcast, you are incredibly engaged. It's not like aimlessly thumbing through your Facebook feed, you know, one eye on the Facebook feed, the other eye watching TV. Right. Podcasting has people's full engagement. Um, they are paying attention. A study by the IAB found that the two need states that podcasting satisfies is entertainment, which a lot of other platforms like video and music um, satisfy, but also learning. So podcasting right. is you media types where learning and entertainment come together. And that means people are paying attention and that means they're hearing the ad. And that's why the ads work so well. Because not only are people leaning in and leaning forward, but oftentimes the ads are read by the host that's trusted and appreciated by the by the listeners. So huge opportunity um, for brands. Um, you know, no question DTC has done really well in podcasting, but we're now starting to see um, brands come in very strongly to uh, to podcasting. Yeah, and I think it kind of ties in the point you were making earlier about the emotional appeal. If if you hear a piece read by Joe Rogan, let's say, as the easy example, and you know, I, f I feel like half of America thinks Joe Rogan is like their friend, like a, a trusted buddy that is with you on demand whenever you you know you want to hear from him. And so when he recommends a product or even gives you an idea. It's so much more meaningful than what is normally experienced as an interruption. You're on Facebook looking at your friends, you're interrupted with the with the t-shirt they want you to buy or you're watching the Super Bowl and you get interrupted by like a a piece that's designed to shock you and get your attention versus a much more intimate podcast environment where it, from your perspective, it sounds like you're speaking to that other person. They're in the room with you. So um, is that sort of an effect that you think is boosting uh, the results from this, from podcast ads? Is, is that emotional appeal as well? No question. It's the emotional appeal of the host. And you don't see this in video, right? You don't see on TV, the actor, you know, leaning into the camera from the scene and saying, now let me talk to you about, you know, right. Trip it, you know, this has been happening in audio for 60 years, you know, right. disc jockeys on radio stations um, have been endorsing and personally talking about their experiences with brands and products. And so, you know, basically podcasting is simply leveraging the, endorsement of a personality that's been happening in radio for decades. Um, so sure. audio really has the ability to, to do this and it's authentic, right? The, the YouTube star pitching a product, 
is not authentic. Um, the radio host that you've listened to for years and you know everything about him or the podcast host, that's much more authentic and, and much more meaningful. It's an interesting point. I, w I wanted you to, to maybe go down that a little bit further. Why do you think there's a difference or what if I really like my YouTube star and he does product reviews and opens up electronics, but they also have a podcast. Are you, is it, are you seeing in the data or at least even anecdotally that the engagement from the same, po same personality, same, same guy, same, same person, but delivering it via podcast is more emotional, more effective, more engaged than almost that exact same content on YouTube. Well, let, let's draw the distinction. There are a ton of podcasts that are also carried on YouTube. Right. Um, so, you know, one of our big stars, Ben Shapiro, he's on YouTube. He's also a quote podcast. Um, what I refer to as a YouTube star is not somebody that's doing a podcast, someone that, you know, is this nightclub mm -hmm. person. And okay. all of a sudden, like, hey, dudes, look at this watch I got. You should get right. it. Um, you know, that's the real difference right. here, which is this is somebody that I learn from that teaches me. It's like, you know, and now they're telling me about this interesting mattress I should check out versus right. this YouTube star that, you know, is a crazy person and suddenly is showing me a watch, you know, randomly. Right. So, Pierre, the study has really highlighted quite a few things far more uh, data points than we could even unpack on just a single episode here. So tell us, uh, for everyone who's listening, where can they go get that report um, on the Westwood One site? Sure, you can get it in, in two places. Obviously, you can come right here to LeedsRx and download it um, off the LeedsRx site. You can also go to um, westwoodone.com, which is W-E-S-T, W-O-O-D-O-N-E.com and go to the blog and you'll see the uh, full report and you'll be able to download the study. Um, and this was based on a, a whole bunch of direct-to-consumer brands covering a whole variety of, of uh, categories. Um, and we compared it against the prior study that had been conducted in uh, 2018. So you guys heard it here first. If you go to Google and you search the second annual direct to consumer media attribution and awareness report from Westwood One and Leeds RX. I am sure it will come up. We're going to include the link in the description as well. Pierre, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I hope to do it again. Let's not, let's not have it be the third annual. Let's get you back in here sooner than that. How does that sound? I appreciate it. Thanks so much for, uh, for having me on. No problem. Guys, thanks for listening. This is Lucas Sommer and Pierre Bouvard signing off for the Attribution Marketing Podcast. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon.